0: Of water shall flow rivers of living water out of my belly rivers shall flow rivers of living. Now we stop from <clears throat> week to week. And we read even the scriptures, and a lot of times we'll decide to read two or three chapters or four chapters, and we'll stop and put the Bible down and pick it up again another day. Uh, but you have to understand that the writer here started this from chapter one, and he continues along with certain thoughts, certain things. He brings certain things in, into, the su- into the subject, changed the subject a little bit. Um, Then he moves on to something else, and he's tying all these things together. And when you come to chapter 8, verse 1, you see this verse, Now of the things we have spoken, this is the sum. So so he's relating back to what he started with in chapter 1, verse 1. And he builds upon different thoughts and brings them together. And he's saying here now, You know, he looked at Melchizedek and and all these different things, the the children of Israel in the wilderness, chapter 3. And he says, now, this is the sum. I want to bring this together here so far, what we talked about, and I want to center in on this. Now, this is going to be, at least the beginning part, is going to overlap some of the things that we looked at before. But he says that this is the sum We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And so he talks about this high priest that is higher than any priest ever to ascend. No matter whether they caught a hold of something moving as a Levitical priest, caught a hold of something better, something higher, still... The point being that Jesus Christ was higher. And and I want to show you that, and we're going to look at a few other verses out of chapter 8. Why is Jesus Christ? Why was his priesthood higher? There's many different reasons, but the one being because he offered himself. See, the Levitical priests would offer their service according to what was written, according to the law. And they moved and offered their, their service. In, in, in a way, that's offering themselves. But Jesus, he goes one step further. He offers himself in his service, and then he actually offers himself in giving his life. And so that takes everything now to a, a totally different level. In Leviticus 5, excuse me, Leviticus, Hebrews 5, it's it's interesting that Jesus would be a high priest, remember that before he came to earth, he had a former glory, and all the angels of God worshipped him. And we don't really know or see or understand the glory that Jesus had before. We know He had glory before. But as far as the, 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 the depth and, and the height of that, we really don't know, understand, and see that. But He lays down this glory beforehand to come according to the will of the Father to live a life here, and to die for mankind. And so he sets aside all this glory that he had. And now he moves into this thing here where he's he's going to be the high priest, higher than any Levitical priest ever was. And it makes this statement in chapter 5, verse 5, that Jesus didn't do this for glory, which is astounding. See, he, he was totally correct in his heart in everything he did. Never was there a wrong motivation for what he did. And so it says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, even though he had this former glory. And he has the right to glory. Yet, he doesn't glorify himself to be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. So in other words, he's saying that, that he doesn't go after glory, but he goes after the glory of the Father, to glorify the Father, which is was quite astounding. The high priest that we have did not seek the glory of being a high priest. I don't know, to me that's, that's quite something, the heart of the Lord, to, to even see a slight glimpse of that. To know that He, in His motivation, He, in all that He did for you and I, had this uprightness, this righteousness to move in the right way so that he would obtain from the Father that which the Father was giving him and had for him. So Jesus is higher in that respect. Remember that the Levitical priests, they had to offer for themselves... They had to have an offering for themselves first, and then they had to offer for the people. But because of the heart of the Lord, and because of the way that he walked, because he didn't move in the sin of this world, that did not touch him. It was not a part of him. He did not have to offer for himself. In 7, Chapter 7, verse 27. Who needeth not daily as those priests, talking about the Levitical priests, to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. They, 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 um, they had sin. They had the sin, the sin nature. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son, who is consecrated or perfected forevermore. So that whole thing, the way that came out there with Jesus, was on, again, a much higher plane than we see in the law. And then you have chapter 9, where the Levitical priest offered the blood of animals, as a sacrifice. And Jesus, being a higher high priest, if you want to say that, he does not offer the offering of animal blood. Verse 12, Neither by the blood of of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, I find something interesting in this verse when I was looking at this. Now, the holy place was the holy place. We know that. But he's talking about entering into, how does it say that? Entering in once into the holy place. He's talking about something different, not this earthly tabernacle in the wilderness, but... He entered into this, and I don't want to say place, but this area. And he offered his blood once and for all. But the interesting thing about this, there's a dual meaning in this verse, I believe. The interesting thing, if you look up this, this word, holy, as it's saying here, holy place, it's not singular, it's plural. Now, it's put in the King James in the singular. Because if you put it in the plural and you would read that, it wouldn't make sense. He, he offered his blood in the holy places. And I couldn't help but to, to think and relate that to the believer who God has worked in their life and has brought them into this place where, you know, they're, they're living a holy life. And he offers his blood in the holy places so that we can walk with God, offered for you and I, so that we can live and walk in this life the way God would have us. Go back to um, seven. What the Levitical priests could not do, Jesus did. Verse 24. But this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. And what that means is that the priesthood does not pass from priest to priest, as it did in the Old Testament. One priest would would die, and that would pass pass on to to another uh, priest. Wherefore, he is able, because of this, because of his sacrifice, because of what he's done for you and I, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them, so that Jesus can save you and I or anyone to the uttermost. And that word uttermost means completely, and it's composed of two Greek words that, as I was looking at them, they mean at any point. Jesus, the salvation that He has, and and I don't just mean initially, but I mean more so after we have accepted Christ, that He can come and save, or a better way to say that is that He can bring His salvation to you and I at any point. So no matter where we are spiritually, no matter How we are looking at things, no matter what is going on with us, if we are desiring to walk with Him, and and that's the main thing, if we have that desire, okay, He can come because, you know, we have uh, faults, we have sin, we have all these problems that we have to deal with in our own personal lives. He can come. And it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter um, well, I should probably clarify that. It doesn't matter how far we have gone to the left or the right. Um, If we are still there, Lord, help us. Help me, Lord. He can come and save us at any point. He can bring bring His salvation to us. Of course, that means initially or as we continue to walk on. So that Him being a high priest, he can come and touch us at any point, at any time, no matter where we are, and he can do what no other Levitical priest could do, and that is change and influence a heart. See, the Levitical priesthood, that which is moving in in letter only can never do that. And then in chapter 10, and you see this periodically in in the scriptures here in Hebrews, talks about and gives this thought of this this, um, permanence in in the offering, in his offering. There's a permanent thing there. It doesn't have to be done continually like the the priests of old did. In chapter 10, verse 10, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Uh, Verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So you see this, this permanence to the offering of Christ. And you see the one verse we read, uh, verse 12, ties in with the, the latter part of verse 1 in, in chapter 8, where it says, He is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. He, he, he is set there. It's a a completeness to that. There's a a finished work that doesn't need to to be done again. Permanent. Now, in verse 2, chapter 8, a minister is continuing on here, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. He is raised to this position, as I said earlier, that no other priest was raised. And this uh, indicates a completeness or a finished work that Jesus Christ did. Now, in verse 2, the word sanctuary, here's some of the meanings uh, it, it can mean a structure, it can mean a place, it can mean um, a sacred thing, it can mean the presence of God or that which is set aside. So there's, there's many different meanings of the word. But does anyone here have a Bible with a marginal reading for this verse? No one? You do? That's right. I, I like that. It's, I think that's very good. That he is a minister of holy things. Well... Now, that's another, when you, you know, when I, I see these things in the Scripture, I see that it goes like this, yes, whoop, it's like a real wide area. So, okay, Lord, now, now what in this area do you want me to look at? And the first thing that, that came to me, he's a minister of holy things. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering. See, Jesus has taken the love of the Father and brought that in His person to earth to die for you and I so that now we will have an idea, first of all, of the love of God. We will begin to see the love of God and then we experience the love of God, how He loved me, me, where I was, in my sin. And he becomes the minister of this holy thing called love. And he walks with us and he ministers, That love to us, I'll tell you. It is tremendous not only to know but to experience the love of Jesus Christ that he has personally for you. 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 Comes to you in a special way and he gives you something, he shows you something, whatever that may be and he begins to minister holy things to you. You know, love, we don't normally consider that holy, but the Bible says that, that God is love and God is holy. And you can go down the line here. Um, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. He, he ministers his uprightness. See, Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his Virtue, his character, his uprightness. He ministers to that to you as you walk with him. He's a minister of holy things. Faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. See, because it's moving on a different area, different, area, different plane than the law. And so, so Jesus, as it says here, is more than the minister of what we would think a sanctuary. See, he's the minister of holy things, which takes, you know, this is a broad area. Whatever it is that you need, he will minister that. But he ministers that not according to the natural, but he ministers that according to the spirit, and he brings that as a holy thing to you. and and makes that, to some degree, a part of your life. It's tremendous, tremendous. Now, let's continue on. Um, I want to get to verse 5, really, but let's just read. For every high priest is is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Now, we learned that um, when we were studying Leviticus. There were offerings that they, that they offered, and there were certain gifts that they offered, the wave offering and, and so on, the meal offering. Every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifice. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. He's not going to offer gifts according to the law, because Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. So that means that that which he offers is moving in a different place. Who serve unto the example... Now he's talking again about the Levitical priesthood. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for... For see, saith he, that thou make uh, all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. <clears throat> so here you see this word. There's two words in this verse um, that appear to be the same, but they aren't. They're two different Greek words, and they have similarities. Um, they, they, it's like this. They, they go like this, you know. They, they come together. You know? there's, a, there's a dovetail, like we see in, in the scriptures. But the two words are are shadow, and the other word is pattern. Now, the earthly Levitical priesthood was a shadow of that which is in the heavenly. So that the, the, the priests and all the Israelites... When they saw these things, were seeing a shadow, not the real thing. They're seeing the shadow. Now, a shadow is an interception of light. So that if if you were standing here, and we were outside. And let's say the sun is at your back. And the sun would hit you in the the back, and you would cast a shadow. Now, the shadow that you see on the floor is to some degree representative of you, of your shape. Now, me, I'd cast a real small shadow. Other people may cast a little bit taller or wider shadow. But the point is, as you look at that, what you are seeing is a shadow that doesn't have a lot of form, something that does not give you a detailed and really accurate portrayal of what is casting the shadow. So that if... If I never have seen any of you, let's say, Dan, if I never saw you, and you were standing here, and, and I couldn't see you, but all I saw was the, the interception. You intercepted the light, and now the shadow's cast, and all I see is the shadow. I'm really not seeing you. I'm seeing something, but I'm not really you know, getting the whole picture, so to speak. And, and that's what he says about the Levitical priesthood. It's casting the shadow. And they looked at and moved in that. Now, shadows are not reality. See, see that, it's not reality. It's, it's a shadow. So that if you take the highest love that there, there can be on earth, we'll say between a man and a woman, that thing will reach an apex. And that will be the height of it. And it will go no further. It doesn't matter, I mean, who the two are, the love is only going to reach a certain height. Knowledge, all the knowledge. A person can spend 150 years, or as Solomon, however many years Solomon lived, seeking after knowledge, even if it's just in one area that knowledge will only go so far and it will reach a certain point, and that's it. Every single experience that you have and I have will only go so far, it will reach a certain height, and that's it. And, and have you ever got this sense that there's something more? You know, you should if you read the scriptures. You know, you see something and you know there's something more. You know, you experience love, but yet, you know, you know that there's something more, there's something higher, there's something better, there's something greater. Turn to Corinthians. Second Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, now what's our earthly house? these bodies, of this tabernacle were dissolved. We have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So, So he's saying here that, okay, these bodies are a shadow. There are earthly bodies, and there are heavenly bodies. Okay, one is a shadow of the other. For in this we groan earnestly. In this he's talking about in these earthly bodies, these earthly tabernacles. We groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. So here we have the shadow, but there's something more. There's something more. If you are physically in pain, if you have problems, if you have aches, and whatever it is, there is something more than this life. And some of us can say, Thank God. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked, for we we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened, not for that which is to that, that, would, that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So there's something else or something more. There's there's a, a life that God has, uh, not just spiritually, but that's going to extend all the way through to an immortal body. There's something more. And we don't really understand that. We believe it. We know it. But the reality of that, what it really is, we don't know. We can't grasp. We can't get a hold of. It's It's just... It's in a different area. Real quick, Romans chapter 8, verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we've experienced that. Even we uh, ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, waiting for the time when that which God has, uh, dealing with the adoption, being sons, when that comes in its reality. See, there's a groaning in us for that, and we don't even know what it is. So, back in Hebrews, People call heaven, heaven, but in fact, it's reality. See, Jesus Christ has come, and he has ministered life unto us, and he brings us from where we are into this relationship with him, and that relationship with him will Um, with some, bring an understanding about heaven that that, that there's a reality that is much further beyond where we are and much higher than where we are today. There's, There's a reality there. And that reality comes through relationship with Jesus Christ. So that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, this reality... Well, not the reality in spirit, the life of God, that which, you know, is here. Well, people call it heaven, but I don't think heaven is, well, heaven's a place, yes, but it's, it's more than a place. There, there's, there's a spiritual reality there that... God wants Christians to tap into, so to speak, or to live in, however you want to say. Chapter 8. So relationship with Jesus Christ is to become our reality. I mean, do you ever talk to the Lord? I talk to him all the time. People think I'm talking to myself, but really... Well, I do that too, but I mean, a lot of it's talking to the Lord, you know. I'm at work or in my car and say, man, Lord, what's with this? It's like I just talk to him like that all the time. Why? I don't even think about it. It's just, I do it. Well, it's because of the reality of the Spirit that he has somehow in my life, in my walk, has brought me into. In verse 6, but now hath he... But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So only a mediator, only a mediator like Jesus can bring us from where the world is our reality. You know, before I was a Christian, all I knew was the world. You know, do this, do that. Everything according to the world system and what have you. But only a mediator can can bring us from that reality to a different reality. The reality of the spirit. Something different. Now, I'm not talking about some, you know, crazy stuff. I'm talking about something that is to be experienced as you walk with God. You can't figure it out in your head. It's never going to work. It's something that you know, God moves you into. I, I, I don't know how, to, how else to explain it. Let me read this one verse talking about a mediator in Job 9.33. Job says this, If only there were someone to arbitrate between us to lay his hands Upon us both. So Job was looking for this mediator too. I think that's interesting. See, because only Christ, being the mediator, can bring us from one place to another. He mediates, he intercedes. Uh, he's the one that knows the way, and he's the one that knows us, he knows where, where, our, where our life is, where we are. And so he, he gets in there, and he, so to speak, does his thing, which is nice. In Exodus, uh, keep your place in Hebrews 8, <laughs> Exodus 25. Now, I'm not speaking about something that's unattainable, Christian. I'm speaking about something that is further or higher that God brings you into. Just walk with him you know, don 't be all concerned about all these other things am I doing this right am I doing that right you know Just relax, rest and walk with him as he shows you you know what it is in your life he wants to correct or, or whatever and he will bring you into it it 's just something that takes time and it takes rest in exodus twenty five forty this is when Moses gets the um, the, the pattern in that for, for the, the tabernacle. And it says, and look, that thou make them, all, all these different things, after the pattern which was shown thee in the mount. Now go back to Hebrews 8, 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly uh, things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for, for see, saith he that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. Now, there are different meanings of the word pattern, but the one I believe that is most applicable is a resemblance. It has a form of something else. Now, let me draw something here. Uh, let me see, Lord, here. See, I'm talking to him again. <laughs> That's Okay. Uh, Now, here you have the Levitical system. And the Levitical system was pertaining to the law. The law that God had set up in in, uh, Exodus and Leviticus, that which the priest had to move in and function in. And you had the priests who were to start off moving in this particular way, doing the sacrifices and all that was supposed to be done by them, the washings and and all that, they were to move along in this pattern, you see. Now remember, this whole thing is a resemblance of that which is in the heavenly. But if the priest were to stay just here, then what this becomes is ritual. And you see this whenever Jesus comes to earth and and he moves out into the the, um, the country and he's dealing with the Jews, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders who had taken this thing and had made it a ritual. And Jesus comes against that and tries to break them out of that so that hopefully he could you know, shake them up, rattle their cage, so to speak, to get them to move in a different way. Well, what way is that? See, this was to be, or it was, the shadow of spiritual realities. So that you had some of the priests, for example, Ezra, who, yes, he moved in this, but because of his heart, he was doing that which was down here in the natural, but because of his heart, it brings him to a different place, a different plane that is higher than the ritualistic system and so the very shadow or the, that which this was patterned after was and it's not that there is this tabernacle everybody thinks this i don't i mean it may be but it's not it's not it's not as as i see it in the scriptures People think there's going to be a tabernacle in heaven that is going to be exactly like that which was, was in, the, in the wilderness. But remember, as I said before, if you're standing here and the sun is hitting you in the back and I'm looking at you, not at you, at your shadow, I might not even know that you have five fingers on your hand if you're standing there. If you're standing there like this, I can't tell... Anything about your facial features, if I'm looking at the shadow, remember the law was the shadow. This was the shadow. But it's not going to accurately portray that which is intercepting the light, as I talked about before, that which is in the heavenly. So there are heavenly, I'll say say it this way, heavenly realities that a person here, a Levitical priest, could begin to see, begin to understand, begin to walk in because of their heart. See, it wasn't just the ritual. God can lift a person out from the ritual, and He did that with some of the priests. It's It's a thing that goes on in the heart. And so the person then can move in a different place where now the spiritual realities, they're beginning to somehow, not understand them here, but there's an understanding in the heart that there's something that's higher, there's something that is greater, there's, there's something that is out there that's more. And so you go to the scriptures and you read Psalm 42 and you see that the way... Up is the way down, or you're going into the land. The way to wage war is to rest. See, those things are not in the law, those are spiritual realities that the person is to move into somehow, some way, to some degree. And you can't, you can't take those things. And you can, I can teach you about them, but that's not how you're going to learn about spiritual realities. So you learn about spiritual realities by walking with God today in your life, Him being a personal Savior to you. He comes and teaches you on whatever level you are spiritually, so that now you see something. Well, what are you seeing? Are you seeing the law? No, you're seeing something higher, something wider, you're seeing something deeper, however you want to say it, but it's coming from a different place. And and, and it's now, instead of seeing the shadow, now you're starting to get a little better picture, a better reflection, if you will, of that which is in the heavenlies. Now, I can't explain it any more than that. But I will say this. And I talk about this a lot, and that's about walking with God. Now, to one person, that's one thing. To another person, that's another thing. But somehow or other, you as an individual must learn to walk with God, to walk in the Spirit. And as you do, He will begin to teach you and show you different things and a lot of that, which he teaches you on a personal level, will move you away from ritual. Do you know as a Christian you can be caught up in ritual? You can come to church as a ritual. I don't come to church as a ritual, I'm telling you. If the Lord moves me to stay home, I stay home. And I'm not saying for you to do that. I'm just saying that anything can be ritual. I don't care what it is. I don't care how spiritual it looks. Yes, you need to be in church. But there is something more. There is a higher love, so to speak, that is to be experienced by the believer as he walks in the Spirit and walks with God. He just moves into that. And now you start to see this over here and this over there. It's not that, you know, you sat down and figured them out in your mind. But that somehow, some way, in here, there is an understanding or a knowing that this is something more, this is something higher, this is that which is not moving on the ritualistic plane, it's moving higher. And even if you try telling somebody that and showing them that, they have to be taught by the Spirit. And to be taught by the Spirit, you have to have a heart that, that wants to be taught. And so this whole thing here, you know, moves on the natural. But remember, as I said before, there's a nat- that which is the natural, and there's that which moves in the spiritual. And that's always the way it is in, in, in every area, I think, probably in every area so the children of israel initially, their initially their relationship or the covenant was based upon them keeping the law see that was the shadow but through christ the covenant is based upon receiving you having a receiving heart so that now it's not based upon the law or the shadow now it's based upon you receiving what the Spirit of God is bringing to you personally as you are walking and learning to walk. And so the writer here tries to bring this out in this idea of he is a high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ. And he is the minister of holy things to you to you personally. Now this is this what I, what I kind of laid the groundwork here for what I wanna teach next week because it's the second part of, of the chapter. I thought I was gonna get through it, but we're gonna, we're gonna continue on in this chapter next week. And maybe you can read chapter eight and chapter nine also. And keep in mind today uh, we we're talking about the high priest, and, and this is something that is, is much higher than the Levitical law and the Levitical priesthood and that whole system. Now this is moving in a higher place, a, a, a more full area that you as a Christian can experience. You can experience. And, and I believe that many of you have. So let's continue on with the Lord. And walk with him and learn what he wants. Out of my belly, rivers shall flow, rivers of living.